Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. If this is your first time, just again, I'd love to welcome you. My name is Josh, and we're glad you're here. If you're here to celebrate for the baptism and support some people that get him baptized, then it's great to see all of you, and we'd love to welcome you back and, and maybe join us for this series of messages as we walk through this month and bring in the Christmas season. Uh, we, we've been in this kind of unique uh, set of messages. We started last week, and we're talking about uh, some themes in the Bible that intersect with Christmas classic movies that we're familiar with. And so last week we watched one. Uh, we didn't watch the whole movie, but we watched clips of the movie. And uh, today we're going to highlight again a key theme that we see in the Bible and draw that theme out of a Christmas classic, the movie White Christmas. And White Christmas is on the Rotten Tomatoes list of top movies. This is like number 25 for top Christmas movies. And so I imagine a few of you have probably seen White Christmas. And so by show of hands, who has seen White Christmas? Here's the thing, all the way through. Okay. All right. Who has seen White Christmas and fallen asleep in White Christmas? So you wouldn't say you've seen it all the way through. All right. Show of hands, please. Join me. <laughs> okay. All right. I almost made it this week. Got real close. <laughs> well, it is a story about two sets of entertainers, and I'm going to highlight bits and pieces of the story as we walk through passages of Scripture, and you're going to see examples. We watch films and media we take in all sorts of uh, media messages, and it's important to capture the media messages, figure out what is it that they're trying to say, and does this uh, sync with what God says in the Bible? Is this true or, or not? And so there's all sorts of key themes that come out in, in movies that sometimes they line up, they really sync up with what God says is true. Sometimes they don't, and we need to be able to pull those messages and, and identify what they are so we determine, do I want to really internalize this, or do I want to discard of that. And so it, filtering films is a real important uh, skill to, to learn and develop. And so, uh, but key idea in that is what is the message? What's the core message that you find? And so I think in this movie, there is a message I want to draw out that really fits with something we see in the Bible. Uh, just to give you some context about the, the movie itself, if you haven't seen it, it's a story about two entertainers, two sets of entertainers who, who team up to perform a Christmas show in this uh, inn in rural Vermont. Uh, and while, while they're there at this inn, it's actually the, the sisters are the ones that are supposed to be performing at this inn. But while they're there, and these guys are following them because one of them is interested in one of the gals. While they're there, uh, they discover that the inn is now owned and operated by their former commander, their general, from World War II. And so they suddenly realize this, and you see the guy on the right, his face, he's shocked to see out of uniform, General Waverly, who led him in the war and led the troops in World War II. And this man and, uh, was a strong leader, a strong general. And so Bob and Phil, the two men in this uh, who had served under his command, they find out that the general who is now the owner of this little quaint country inn is dealing with a lot of financial pressure and strain because of uh, some conditions. And I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, the feel, feel of this film, uh, but these these 
two men and then the, the two sisters kind of join together and uh, they come up with a plan to put on a huge Christmas show. They're already entertainers, so now they kind of put their skills together and put on a Christmas show at the inn in order to drive business forward and in order to do something else very special for the general. Their hope is that this would put the general's business back in the black because the inn isn't doing so well. Uh, all sorts of elements show up in the film. You have sort of a romance theme, so if you're into romance, then uh, you know it has something for you. Uh, you know, you can root for the guy to get the girl. Uh, there's also a major amount of singing. So if you're into singing, there's a singing act in there. It's pretty entertaining. Uh, there's a dancing scene. If you're into dancing, you know, there's a little bit something for everyone. It's, it's really a song and a dance movie, so be forewarned. I always like to know that going into a movie, if it's a, if it's a, a musical. A few times I've shown up at the theater with my wife. I got my popcorn, got my Coke, and then people burst into song. And I look at my wife, and she's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> you didn't know? I'm like, no. So I just like to be warned about that, if that's going to happen. So be forewarned, if you're watching White Christmas this year, it is certainly a musical. There's a lot of singing going on. Uh, it's not entirely a musical. Some of the films these days go, go way overboard in that regard, I'd, I'd say. But anyway... I want to um, begin with a pretty stirring scene from the beginning of the movie. It's on the battlefield. So these two men, Bob and Phil, uh, that you see, Bing Crosby's one of them, Danny Kay, that's Danny Kay right there. Uh, Bing and Danny, they're, they're, they're playing men, Bob, Wallace, and Phil somebody. I forget what Phil's last name is. But Bob and Phil are uh, in World War II in this scene. And they are entertainers, but they're fighting in the war. And... They are using their gifts, their entertaining gifts and singing gifts, uh, to remind the troops of life back at home. It's Christmas Eve, and they perform a song, White Christmas, right there on the battlefield. And if you listen closely, you can actually hear the bombs dropping in the distance as they're singing White Christmas. They do this because they want to give a gift to their fellow troops and to the general and those folks that are serving and sacrificing and fighting for freedom. It's a pretty powerful scene. So let's start with this scene. Christmas Eve. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen To hear sleigh bells in the snow Christmas card I write May your days be merry and bright And may all your Christmases be white 
not exactly where you'd expect to take in a show on the battlefield. Uh, but this is, this is quite a gift. This is quite a gift to those troops who are thinking about days at home, you know, wishing, I'm sure, they could not you know, be on the front lines right then and there, but they're fighting for freedom. And now at the heart of this movie is the theme of, of honor. You see this really strong theme of honor in the, in the film White Christmas. And I'll explain to you how we see that throughout this message this morning. Honor in the Bible is a very, very important concept in the Bible. It actually has to do with something that's weighty and, and it's, it's, it's heavy. The Hebrew word, is it translates into that idea of something that's weighty or heavy. It means to give weight to someone. When you show honor, you're, you're basically granting a person a certain position of respect. You're holding them up as someone who has great weight in your life, in a sense. They're an authority in your life, and you're just you're holding that position up and honoring them. It's a very important thing to give honor to those that it's due. We, we give honor in all sorts of ways. We give honor uh, by giving, generally, of something, giving our resources to people when we want to honor them. One of the resources that you can give to people is your time. One of them is your words. You can give honor through your words. Some of them, uh, some of, one way we give honor is through gifts. We give a thoughtful gift. Sometimes it's, it's our resources, our, our, our money that shows honor. Uh, sometimes it's our very best effort, our energy. You know, we do these things because we want people to know they, they mean something. They're important. There's, there's a weight we're trying, to, we're trying to hold something up, hold them up in a sense in high regard. And now for those of us who are Christ followers, uh, something we have to wrestle with is this, that Christ followers are commanded to show honor to everyone. This is a tall order to show honor to everyone. Do we, do we honor people? Do we honor just our fellow man, woman? Do we, do we really honor folks? Peter, one of the, who's considered one of Jesus' closest followers, one of his disciples, he wrote two letters to uh, churches, and these, these letters circulated through the churches, uh, the Christian churches in the first century. And you know, we, we read in 1 Peter and 2 Peter in the Bible. So these letters have been passed on. But these letters teach us how to please God with our lives. And here's what Peter wrote about the issue of honor. He writes, show proper respect to everyone. I mean, that's, that's not easy, is it? Everyone deserves respect. It's not easy. Now, he says this, love the brotherhood of believers. Sometimes that's easy. <laughs> is it always easy? No. Fear God. Not always easy to take God seriously and to live in, in his boundaries. Then he says, honor the king. Not easy, right? So we sort of understand the middle two commands. Love God, love people. But then these, the first and the last are pretty tough to pull off, to show proper respect to everyone and to honor the king. What if the king wasn't my choice, Peter? What if I didn't vote for the king? Well, when Peter's writing this, it wasn't a democracy. He's not writing to a group of people who voted uh, the emperor in. And so he's telling the Christians in the first century to honor the emperor. At this, uh, at this time, when Peter was writing, you can look at the history, and Nero was the emperor. He was a despicable leader. He was not a benevolent man. This would have been a major challenge, but Peter writes to the church, honor the emperor. He also says, you know, in the first part of uh, verse 17, show proper respect to everyone. How do we do that? 
how do you show proper respect? Basically, the idea here is you, you honor the fact that you show respect to people because God made them. God made them. He gave every human being a level of nobility as humans. Look at this verse from the Psalms. In the Old Testament, we see this description of, of humanity. Psalm 8, verses 5 and 6. You made him, speaking of mankind, you made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. And the angels are those heavenly beings. And you crowned him, mankind, with the glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. God created everything. You put everything under his feet. When, when God initially created everything, he made the world and he creates the first man and the first woman, he, he gives them the responsibility to manage and rule over the rest of creation. It's a high order, a huge responsibility that he's given, he, that he gave uh, Adam and Eve. But that privilege was forfeited through sin. They lost, uh, at the fall, when, when they sinned against God, they forfeited uh, their right to rule over the creation that God had made. Sin, the consequences of sin have been great, and we see the ripple effect of consequence of those consequences. But even still, humans have retained this nobility, uh, this value. What this means is that all people on the face of planet Earth uh, have a high value still to God, before God, and so we're to show honor out of a desire to really please God. And that's, that's not always easy to do. Peter says, honor everyone, Honor those in leadership. He's naming the, the emperor there. Uh, now, this doesn't mean that we don't oppose evil and people who do evil, uh, but that's the extreme. Peter's really trying to say, here, here's some things to keep in mind as you're living your life. If you want to live and please God. Uh, today what I want to do is I want to highlight how God wants us to show honor to certain people and how to actually pull that off. How do you show honor to the people that God has put in your life? And so we're going to use the movie White Christmas to illustrate this sort of use that as a backstory here. We see three ways to show honor. The first thing in, that I want to highlight is this. It's give special honor to those who sacrifice for us. There's people that lay down their lives. They set their interests aside and sacrifice us, and it's right for us to give them honor. And so in this movie, uh, Bob and Phil... When they, when they see that their former commanding officer is the general or is the owner of this little inn, uh, here's an opportunity for them to show him high honor. Uh, they recognize that the general has bought this ski lodge in Vermont, and now the lodge is struggling. There's no snow. And if there's no snow, there's no need for a ski lodge, really. Okay, And so uh, here's a brief scene from the movie where they're sitting there, and they're, they're just kind of taking it in. It's early on in the movie. And they're taking in that they can't believe that the general is that they've seen him and he's there and and he's got he's got he picks up a a, a bundle of menus but his his inn is pretty empty and they're just they're taking it in but I want you to listen to this brief exchange of words uh, between Bob and Phil. We ate and then he ate. We slept and then he slept. Yeah, then he woke up and nobody slept for 48 hours. So, obviously, he was a, he was a strong leader. <laughs> when it was time to fight and work, he, he led them to do what needed to be done. But he, they, they comment, you know, we ate, then he ate. You know, we slept, then he slept. He sacrificed for us. In his 
sacrificial leadership was really burned into their minds, and they're, they're really sad to see his business is failing. So they start trying to figure out, how do we help out? And so what they decide is, in order to help give the general uh, a better Christmas and really give him the honor that he's due, they come up with this idea. They're going to put a show together and as a way to ho- hopefully boost business. And there's also a point where they invite all of the general's men to come into town, those that General Waverly led in World War II, they invite them to come to join in the, in the show and to help the ski lodge survive. But what they do in this film is really right. It is right. It's right to show honor to people who sacrifice for us. It lines up exactly with what we see in the scripture. Give, give honor, high honor to some. In fact, in the first century, you see this show up. Churches in the first century worked closely together to, to try to help advance uh, Christianity. They wanted to see Christianity expand. And so church, new churches were being started throughout the region, and churches would work together to send individuals or resources to help the new churches get off the ground and survive. Uh, one of those churches was the church in Philippi. It's modern-day Greece. And, and the church in Philippi, they sent a gift uh, through a man named Epaphroditus to uh, Paul. Paul was a key pioneer for uh, the expansion of Christianity, helped to start churches uh, all around uh, areas like Turkey and Greece and, and uh, really helping move the gospel towards the center of the kind of the epicenter of the world, towards Rome. And, and the church in Philippi wanted to send a gift to Paul. So they sent it through this man, Epaphroditus. And on the journey, Epaphroditus He's bringing this gift to Paul. He becomes deathly ill. He nearly dies in order to bring this gift. And so he's sacrificing. When he gets to Paul, Paul helps him recover in his health. And when he's healthy enough to head home, uh, he sends Epaphroditus back to the church in Philippi. But this is what he writes to the church about him. Paul writes, welcome him in the Lord. When he shows up, welcome him in the Lord with great joy. Like, throw a party. When he, when he arrives at home, throw a party for him. Why? Honor men like him because of this. He almost died for the work of Christ. Paul played a significant role in the expansion of Christianity, and the churches that he helped start knew they owed a debt of honor and gratitude to Paul, and they wanted to be a blessing and support to a man who would really led them well. And so they, they put some resources up, and this man said, I'll go, I'll deliver the gift. Paul writes to them, you know, he he made up for the help you couldn't give. He, he came. Christ's followers are actually instructed to do this. We're instructed to honor those who sacrifice for us. And Paul just uses this man, Epaphroditus, as, as an example. Honor such men, men like this. There are people in our lives that we, we really shouldn't forget to honor. Christmas time is an opportunity for us to call people to mind and, and to think through ways we can show high honor. So first, I want to encourage you to honor uh, parents. If you're, if you're wrestling with this issue of who should I honor this season, think through this issue of parents. They sacrificed for us. They cared for, for us when we couldn't take care of ourselves. And they, they had to sacrifice themselves to do this because it's usually, you know, in the early days it's middle of the night shift. And it's, it's tired. They're half, they're half awake when they're helping. <laughs> uh, most of them did it gladly. But it, was cost, it's, it cost them. Something, And you and I, we could not have lasted but a few days, if that, without their nurture, without their care, without their feeding, without their love and kindness. 
And so the first commandment with the promise is really tied to this idea of showing honor to parents. You probably know the commandment tied to honor your father and mother that it may go well with you. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a command here because honoring your parents actually, it's, it's so important, actually brings God's blessing back to you. They cared for you, and so you, you now show honor to them. This is extremely important. Don't miss this. Christmas time is, is not the only time to show honor, but it's a good time to remember. Am I showing honor? How can I show honor? What are the ways I can do that? And we'll, we'll look at some ways to show honor. Another one is employers. We don't often think about this, but employers carry a burden that we don't. This is a form of sacrifice uh, that, that is required to start any business. Oftentimes when we work for someone, we think they owe me. <laughs> I work for them, now they owe me, right? They owe me a paycheck. Uh, but honestly, someone or some group of people started that company, started that business, started that organization that provides the means for you to receive a paycheck and for, your, you, know, for you to be cared for. And so to take the time to think through that, think through honoring that. How can I honor that for the people that, that help provide in my life? Also, leaders, church leaders, think through the people who lead you in the congregation. If you're part of a group or a team, if, you, if there are people that directly lead you and speak in your life and, and help your spiritual growth, uh, they carry a responsibility, a, a weight of responsibility before God that, that others don't, and, and this is an opportunity to honor. Family and friends is another one. Family and friends who show kindness in ways that people sacrifice, they should be honored for their sacrifice. So we show honor. We do this through actions, but we also do this through words, especially through how we, how we speak of people. And since this is the case, then we need to refuse to dishonor through gossip. We build people up with our words, but we can also tear them down with our words. Gossip is when we have a problem with so-and-so, or we just, maybe we don't even have a problem, but we know something about some some other person, and we bring in someone that's totally unrelated. And it's wrong, and it's dishonoring. It's one way that we dishonor people. And it really is something that we do that is very offensive to God. And so... Look at what the scripture warns against here. Proverbs 16, verse 28. A perverse man, meaning someone who deviates from what's good. A perverse means a deviation from the good. So a perverse man stirs up dissension. And a gossip, meaning someone who, who kind of, well, gossip separates close friends. To gossip in, in the Bible, the word in Hebrew, it has to do with whispering kind of softly under your breath. You're murmuring, you're complaining, but you're doing it under your breath. You're not sharing with a lot of people. You just have those people who, who will listen to the gossip. And, and so there's a warning all through the scripture. It's in the, in the Proverbs, it's given as a warning to, to understand the, the way it sours things, the way it poisons things, the way it, it isolates you eventually if this becomes your reputation. In the New Testament, there's a much stronger warning against gossip saying, don't gossip. If you do, that's a real problem in the, that that causes problems in church life that that shouldn't be tolerated it says and so gossip is just a, it's a huge issue look at this uh it actually shows up in the film white christmas there's a scene where an older gal from from the town she actually works for the general uh she's the busybody they she's described as a busybody and she hears something from bob bob is the actor uh, bing crosby's character and bob is trying to put together the show to honor the general and 
she eavesdrops on the conversation where Bob is trying to gather, to get the word out to all of the general's men to come and be part of this celebration. And she picks up the phone and she starts listening to this conversation, but she only gets the middle of the conversation. She doesn't hear the beginning of the conversation. She doesn't hear the end of the conversation. So she makes some assumptions and then she starts spreading gossip that does some damage. So let's, let's watch this scene. Ed, Ed, I know, I know it's a long shot, but there's no other way to reach the men in a hurry. How's it sound? Huh? Oh, I love the idea of doing something for the old man. But if it weren't for him, I wouldn't know how to peel a potato. <laughs> but look, why don't you go all out? Put the whole show on TV. I'll come up there myself. Bring the camera, the crew, the works. Thanks, Ed, but that's not the idea. It's a great idea. Put the show on the whole network right from Pine Tree. Play it up big. A real Christmas Eve show. All about how you're playing Santa Claus to the old man. You know, plenty of schmaltz, lots of heart. Would be worth over $100,000 in free advertising for you and Phil. Yeah, we'll put the old boy on himself. You know, the forgotten man angle. Tear their hearts out. Here's the laundry, Emma. I'm sorry, Ed. Sorry, but that's out. We're not commercializing on the old man's hard luck. No chance. All I want to do is go on your show and make a little pitch. Okay? Wonderful, wonderful. See you Sunday night, then. Bye. Take it upstairs, Susan. Is there a telegram for me? What? Oh, yeah. This is an offer from the Carousel Club in New York. Anytime you and Judy are available. What's your technique? Holding them up to the light? That's for amateurs. I use steam. You're quite a pro. No, I'm thinking of turning in my uniform. Huh? Stick your nose in other people's business, and eventually you find out things you wish you hadn't. Anything specific? Did you know the boys are planning to put this whole show on television? Television? Right from here on Christmas Eve. I just heard Bob fix it with Ed Harrison. Oh, it's a big deal. Real schmaltz, I think they call it. They're even going to put the general on. I just can't believe it. Well, that'll make him a pathetic figure from coast to coast. What's it going to do to his pride? Of course, you know it means over $200,000 worth of free publicity for Davis and Wallace. Emma, that's a terrible thing to say. I didn't say it. Bob Wallace said it. I just heard him. No. Bob wouldn't be involved in a thing like that. I'm sure you're wrong. Well, if I am, I'll resign as president of the New England chapter of Busybodies Anonymous. <laughs> she's, she's making quite a living at this. <laughs> well, this literally separates Bob and his love interest, Betty. And because of the gossip, Betty actually is so disappointed. She believes it, and she's disappointed that Bob isn't the man that she thought he was. And she ends up leaving the ski lodge to take a, a gig at a nightclub. And you'll have to watch it yourself to see what happens with that. I won't be spoiling all the films this month. Sorry about last week. <laughs> no, but th this type of gossip... It's just nonsense when we get into it. We shouldn't do it. And when we do, we need to clear it up. We need to take the ownership of calling it what it is, which is it's wrong. It does real damage, and it, it won't get you far. And so this is tied to honor, though, our words and how we honor. Uh, it's interesting that even the movies warn against gossip. This is their way, the director's way of saying, hey, gossip is bad. Look at what it causes. Now, they do it in a playful way, and we think, oh, it's playful. 
not that big of a deal, but it's actually a huge deal. Look what James says in the Bible. James writes about the potential of the tongue. He says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. With it we can curse men who've been made in God's likeness. Again, nobility. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. He's just saying, our words can be used for noble purposes or cruel intentions, so we've got to guard our, our hearts because words flow out of the heart. When we're wrestling with something in the heart, we've got to wrestle and guard what we hang on to and what we really consider to be true. We've got to guard our perspective. We've got, we have to guard the heart. And then we have to learn to restrain our tongue. One final aspect of showing honor is this. It's to give a gift as a tangible expression. This is powerful. Gift giving is powerful the way that it, it can really build someone up, can really help them, can encourage them. Christmas time, it brings the annual opportunity to thoughtfully express more than just words, but actually to give of our, of our resources thoughtfully. Now, a thoughtful gift has the potential to help someone, uh, but thoughtful gift giving is a challenge, isn't it? The word thoughtful. <laughs> uh, Cyber Monday and Black Friday... Doesn't always help us with our thoughtful gift giving, does it? Because you're like, well, let's see what I'm going to buy this year. <laughs> um, <laughs> it kind of sets the framework for options sometimes. Now, look at some of these, you know, hot items uh, from Cyber Monday: Amazon, you know, the Echo Dot, or Fire HD, or the Ring Video Doorbell. These were, you know, going for, you know, very little. Uh, in comparison, but sometimes the best-priced items on Black Friday or Cyber Monday don't sync up with what would be most thoughtful for the person we're trying to encourage. And so it's important to consider it. And what if they return it and find it only costs you 99 cents to give it to them? <laughs> My sister, she was uh, since I was pretty young, she was a, a thoughtful gift giver. She still is. She takes the time to think through her gifts well. When I was young, she bought me this gift. It was a 1961 Willie Mays baseball card. I'm a Giants fan, and she bought me a card from one of the all-time greats from the team that I loved, and she took the time to do it. She spent, she worked at Burger King. She was a year and a half older than me. I think I was 13 or 14. She bought me this gift. I was blown away when I opened it up. It became my, my prized baseball card to, to this day, and you know, and I'm her younger brother. You know how younger brothers can be. <laughs> but it was thoughtful. My wife, my wife bought me this a few years ago, a recliner. Talk about a thoughtful gift. <laughs> now, one, I always wanted one of these. And I would drop those hints around. <laughs> like, you know what? A recliner would be sure be great in here, huh? And it just didn't, it didn't fit the, probably the pattern of the rooms and stuff. And so, but one day she made it happen, and I come home from work, and there's a recliner, and this is my this is my present. And she even told the family, "You guys are all welcome to sit in the recliner, but when Dad comes home from work, I want I want whoever's in it to get up so that he can sit in the recliner." And it was her way of showing honor. And, and honestly, that was unnecessary. I, now I appreciate it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Sometimes I employ the rule, but <laughs> uh, if it's been a rough day. Um, but I can't, I can't express to you how much, how thoughtful that was, how special that gift made me feel. Now, gift giving during Christmas time dates all the way back to this, to the Magi who brought thoughtful gifts, high honoring gifts to the King of Kings, Jesus. We know this story from 
the Bible, really only from about 12 verses. Matthew chapter 2 lays out the gift of the Magi. And uh, the wise men, all sorts of legends have formed around their story, but we actually don't know that much about these characters. All we really, we don't know their number. We don't know if there was three. We don't know if they were, uh, you know, it could have been a much larger group. We don't know what they rode on, if it was camels. We typically think nativity scene uh, in this regard, we, we don't know their names. We don't know where they came from, other than wise men from the east, magi from the east. Uh, and history tells us that this group of people, the magi, were people that studied the stars. They were astronomers, but they also kind of dabbled in astrology, and they could interpret. They would interpret dreams, and they came looking for the one who was born king of the Jews. And we don't exactly know how the revelation came to them, but Scripture says that God gave them a sign to follow a star, which eventually led to the house where uh, the Christ child was. And he's no longer a newborn in the, in the inn slash cave where he would have been born. He's no longer there. This is, this is later. And so because it, it describes him in, in the Greek, it describes him as not a newborn anymore. He's now a child. And so in our nativity, we try to keep it accurate, so we put the, we put the wise men a little further away from the, the stable. They're en route. They're not there yet. They're not right up there because that's not in the story. But, but they're, they're on their way there. But they came there looking to honor the Christ child, the king. Matthew 2.11 records this. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down. They worshipped him. Then they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, and of myrrh. What's no, most notable about these gifts are that these were not your ordinary baby gifts. These weren't rattles and blankets. These were gifts that you give in honor royalty, a king. And so they came, they opened up these gifts, and they worshipped the king of kings. And gold is an appropriate gift to give a king. Frankincense is, is this costly smelling incense given at, at a... At a occasion you'd want to celebrate myrrh again it's also a perfume very very valuable and we could make comments about the gifts themselves and what was the the symbolism maybe there would be speculation but regardless these were gifts to honor someone and what's also interesting about the gifts is that since they were so valuable they provided for the family what was jesus the child going to do with costly gifts you know pat his bank account Invest it. No. You know, the next set of verses actually says that Joseph, Jesus' father, was warned in a dream to, to take his family to Egypt because King Herod was threatened by the Christ child, the king who had been born. And so Joseph takes his family to Egypt for a season. Well, well, these gifts would have provided all of the resources because they're monetary, monetary value. They would have provided the resources needed to provide safe passage, travel costs, to, to be able to be supported in Egypt. And so that example right there even speaks to the power of gift giving. Sometimes the gifts are able to thoughtfully help. They bring timely help. Some of our gifts this year can bring timely help to people. They, and in that way, it, it can communicate tremendous honor. Uh, so as we wrap up, here are some practical ways to show honor this Christmas. Take time this Christmas to refresh those who have been a blessing to you. I encourage you to jot down who has been a blessing to me. Jot that down for yourself. Maybe jot down a name or two. Who are those people that have been a blessing to you? How could, how could you refresh them? This might be parents, teachers, leaders. Uh, 
Uh, maybe it's a card, maybe it's a card, a note. Some of you are gifted in, at writing notes and crafting words that really matter and really have an impact. Maybe it's a gift. Maybe it's resources that would communicate honor. What, I don't know what it is, but I would encourage you to consider this. Let's watch the impact of Bob and Phil's gift. Now, the gift that they're going to give is a show to honor their general. So let's, let's see this final scene. This is a surprise. ready for inspection, sir. Now, this, this is tremendous honor to a person who, who was due that honor. And this is years later after he had led them in battle. One final thing is give to those who serve and sacrifice for the gospel. Our, our annual year-end offering is another way to apply this message, is to, is to set aside some resources to give generously to those who sacrifice to help uh, the gospel spread or to help with recovery efforts. Uh, we really want to be a part of helping bless people and give thoughtfully uh, and cheerfully this Christmas season. So you might want to really think through uh, how to plan for that. We, we have this over the next month and, or two months to give towards this. And so we really love to uh, be a blessing to those that are helping to spread the name of Jesus Christ. So let's, uh, there's no uh, next steps in the blanks. We just left some lines uh, available for you just to write. And it's because I hope that this has sparked some thinking and some ideas about honoring people. We've just left those blank lines in order to help you uh, get started in thinking through how to honor. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for who you are. We give you honor. You are due the highest praise. Uh, You've been so kind and so generous, and you've shown us grace. Lord, you've you've, you've been forbearing, Lord. You've been patient with us in our sin, and you've... Uh, given us a way to know you through the person of Jesus. Thank you for the gift of Jesus, Lord. He is the light of the world. You've given us hope. Lord, there are some here that that don't know you personally, Lord. I pray that you'd continue to stir uh, the hearts of many to know you this Christmas season, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the the ways that we celebrate uh, the the gift of your Son. Thank you for the picture of baptism we're about to see. We praise you for the work you're doing in the lives of these people who are going public with their faith. Pray for them now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.